This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by me. Hi, I'm Tim, the creator and facilitator of the New Evangelicals and host of the New Evangelicals podcast. Original, I know. We are a Jesus-centered and inclusive community that holds space for the folks marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and we help people like you leave that cold, dark, and damp basement of evangelical fundamentalism behind to explore the rooms of the Christian tradition together. You can check out our podcast to hear from all kinds of amazing guests who are way smarter than me, and even a few episodes where I get to rant to our podcast producer about how dangerous Christian nationalism is. Ah, good times. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts or slide into our DMs on Instagram at The New Evangelicals. Thanks. All right, before we get started, we want to make a little disclaimer like we do every week. We just want everyone to know that all of these cases that we cover are not an accurate representation of all religions, denominations, and religious people. So we know that your grandma is not, you know, starting a cult in her basement. All right. We know it's not all churches. We know it's not all Religious people, we know it's not all Christians. All right. We love you guys. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey, heathens. You're listening to the Deadly Face podcast where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. And this shit is violent. Hey! Welcome back to another episode of Deadly Faith. Why do I feel out of breath suddenly? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I feel like that first intro just took so much out of me. It's fine. It did. Not that we haven't been talking for 45 minutes before we actually hit the record button, but you know. I know. Really, our record time should always be eight and our friend time should be at seven. Yeah, I know. Well, my kids go to bed. My time, that is. Okay, there you go. So I'm talking eight and nine my time, right? Yep. We're in different time zones for those that didn't know. Oh, yeah. But yeah, welcome back to another episode. We are so excited because this is our last episode that we're recording before our official launch date. And I am so fucking excited. <sighs> I'm going to scream and cry and throw up all at once. I'm so excited. Yeah, I might I might shit a brick. That's so gross. What's like, wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm excited. It is crazy. Everybody, I keep getting emails and texts from people that are so super excited to to listen. Same. I have a bunch of people that are like, wait, when is it coming out? What's it about again? What's happening? Yeah. Like, I thought oh. you were just on messy. What's happening? And it's like, like, you no. thought, bitch. You thought. Buckle up. We've had a couple people tell us like, this is, I've had somebody, random stranger in the internet, on the internet, in the internet <laughs> On the internet. Inside of the internet. You know how they go. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say in my comment section, say say this as well as two of the people that we work with uh, say like they expect this to go big. And so like hold on to your butts because like this is going to get wild. Don't jinx it. Good I'm Lord. Not, uh, that, no, it's not jinxing. Uh, do I need to knock on wood? Yes. There we go. I would appreciate okay. that. <laughs> we did it. Luda, we did it. Luda. I don't, I did not even think about knocking. You know, she's very protective. That's why I wasn't going to knock on wood because I know my fucking you, dogs would yes. be like, get out of my fucking house. Get out of my You know? Okay. Anyway, moving on now that we've wasted a few minutes of y'all's life. Well, I have a fun little fact about this past uh, yesterday. What am I saying? Yeah. Yes. I think yesterday was Independence Day, right? 
Yes, July 4th. So I definitely burned myself, my hand and foot, with a sparkler. <laughs> no, you didn't. I was oh acting like a fool. You know, I wish I could say something badass like, yeah, I was fucking, you know, I was holding one of those <laughs> artillery shells, you know? One of those like bra <laughs> moments, but no. Instead, no, I was... A sparkler. I was trying to like make my sister laugh. She hates anything to do with fireworks. She uh-huh. she gets very uncomfortable. She's like, get away from me with those. And I said, look, yeah. it's just sparklers. It's fine. No, no, no. It's not fine because I now have a burn on my foot and my hand. And then oh. her cat got my hand too. Oh my gosh. That's a decent little scratch. He's, a, he's an asshole. He's a... <laughs> He's a most, dill hole. Most cats are. We have a cat that lives next door or like behind us. Mm-hmm. And it's the neighbors we absolutely love. But this cat is on the older side. And so my dog just wants to like chase this cat like crazy. But she knows that like he, the cat knows that my dog cannot get to her. Uh-huh. And so this cat will just like sit oh, on the corner no. of their back porch and just stare at my dog. And I was like, I swear she does it on purpose. She's taunting. And it just cracks me up. Yes like very much taunting and it cracks me up. I love that. Yeah. No, my 4th of July was spent in the back of my van cuddling up with my doggy because she was Mm. terrified of the fireworks. And next year, I need to give her Benadryl. I did not even think about that. And so... I forgot Benadryl was safe for dogs. (laughs) I Yeah. Yeah. I did not know. So we're going to, we're going to get her some Benadryl next year Mm -hmm. and pre-plan to this a little better. Maybe some CBD gummies too. Dog ones. That might help. That's the way. So Lola is presenting a case for us today, guys. Yes. I'm really excited. It's, it's a case I don't know. So that is exciting for me because there's, I, I know a lot of cases. <laughs> Again, I'm obsessed with true crime. It's a problem. Well, I looked outside of the U.S. for this one. Uh-huh. So there's not many cases on our list, I think, that are outside the U.S. of our list of case ideas. That's very true. Which again, if you guys have any case suggestions, please feel free to email us at deadlyfaithpodcast at gmail.com. We already have a couple case suggestions. We got one on Instagram and we got one in our email. So I'm, I'm so excited. excited. So wow. If you guys have any other suggestions, please email us. And yeah, let's jump into it. Lola, tell us about this case. Okay. So we're talking about Malinga Lanisha. Uh, now, her name is Alice, which is just easier, and that's what I'm going to go with. But her okay. given name, so she was born in 1920 in Zambia, which is just South Africa. So her given name is Malinga, but her Christian name is Alice. Oh, so do they get different names when they become a Christian? I've heard of that happening because like, and to like, in the Bible, you see that happening to people being renamed, oh, uh, like a reborn yeah. Christian will sometimes be renamed. Okay, so I could be jumping ahead for you, but I just feel like taking her, this is in South Africa, and then giving her the name Alice, like it's very American. And so it just feels very um, colonizing. It feels, <laughs> very, feels very white. Yeah. It feels no, you're very right. white. It feels very, very European. We'll get there, I think. Okay. I think. Come with me on this ride. Okay, so. Okay, let's go. Just side note, I found out that her father was a policeman in their village in Zambia, and okay. he actually fought for the British in World War One. Dang, get it. That's cool. Uh, she grew yeah. up in a crocodile clan, which uh, is a Bemba tribe that settled into a place in Zambia where they found a dead crocodile. And oh. a dead crocodile is 
deemed as a good omen. Okay. Which crocodiles do symbolize strength and power uh, in a lot of pagan things. Yeah, like Ah. in witchcraft, anything to do with crocodiles symbolizes strength and power. So if you get their teeth, their claws, and you use them in a potion, it invokes that spirit. I said spirit, spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it makes sense. I can can understand why they would resemble strength and power. There's some massive beasts. It's really cool. And obviously, like all these different clans that were settling at the time, they were mostly pagan for the most part. Okay, yeah. So Alice, moving back to her, was the founder of a prophetic movement called Lumpa. Okay. It could be Lumpa, but I feel like that's borderline. I'm going to think of the Willy Wonka. (laughs) I could be saying it wrong, but I I feel like it's Lumpa. The word Lumpa means most important or like highest regarded people or something like that. She was married two times. She had five kids total. She wasn't really spiritual up until the time that she, uh, in 1953, so she was like 33 at the time. She said that she died and went to heaven and met a Christian, which she described as resembling either God in the flesh or Jesus. Okay. And that person commanded her, you have to go back to earth and carry out the Lord's work, especially fighting against witchcraft specifically. Ah, I'm a little nervous where this is going. This death was not an actual death, which I'm sure most of you know. Oh, okay. I thought like... It's not a real death. I thought like she actually had like a real, like, what they call it, an NDE near-death experience. Is that... She was in a coma. So she... (gasps) Okay. Okay. It was actually... She she had malaria and... Oh, damn. It was a coma that was induced by malaria that in which she had this like dream or this like spiritual awakening. And then when she yeah. woke up from the coma, she's like, ah, oh, I am a prophetess. Yeah. Do we know if she was, she had been like evangelized to before this? Like I'm assuming as of some sort, it didn't just like come to her. The Church of Scotland was very popular in this area. Okay. Which is just like fundamental Christianity. Like, bare bones kind of thing. Right. It's very conservative and doesn't have a lot of wiggle room for acceptance or inclusion or anything like that. So that was probably what she grew up around. I don't know if she was really heavily involved, but at this time she became heavily involved because she told her story to a minister at the nearby Church of Scotland. Mm -hmm. And she was then baptized and given the Christian name Alice. Well, yeah, it's very white. It's so white. (laughs) I like the name, though. I hate that I like it. I like the but name, I really but, like it. <laughs> but the, and the Church of Scotland, that's, you know, it's, it's just a bunch of white people. It feels very odd. Like, this whole thing mm-hmm. just feels very, like, out of place for happening in Zambia. Yeah. But all of it did happen there. And you can look it up on the New York Times in their uh-huh. August of 1964 Shit. archives. Shit, look at you going back to the archives. Damn. I love the New York Times archives. I You can find a lot of shit there. Also, I think the writers had so much more integrity back in the day. Uh, Sorry. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's my hot That's my, take. My hot take. That's my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she starts learning a lot more about the Church of Scotland. She kind of just dives headfirst into it and calls herself a prophetess at that time. In 1954, which is like a year 
after her whole, like, coma incident, mm-hmm. her ministry was taking off. She was drawing large crowds like Jesus did. Oh, wow. With her testimony of, I died and came back. This was borderline, <sighs> like, I'm Jesus. Wow. <laughs> mm. I mean, she never proclaimed to be Jesus, but it's just, I see a lot of similarities in the stories. Right. She was baptizing people. Obviously, a lot of the beliefs were heavily influenced by the Church of Scotland, but she was also incorporating pagan practices from her, like, growing up uh, with the Crocodile Clan and, like, just all that stuff. So, it's like pagan meets Christian, and it's like trying to make a baby. And they had a baby. Lumpa. And then they have Lumpa. Lumpa. (laughs) I swear, if I'm saying it wrong and someone calls me out, I'm not even going to be embarrassed because... I'm from Alabama. Right, just right. sit down, okay? <laughs> just sit down. Anyway, so most of her following was coming from the same circle as the Church of Scotland. A lot of them were in the congregation that she first started studying in, and they just kind of followed her out. But she drew them in with the, like, it's still Church of Scotland. It's fine. Yeah. But her music and her hymns and her services were more similar to Bemba hymns, uh, which is like Bantu language chants. It tracks further away from typical Church of Scotland worship. Gotcha. Okay. But it's really cool. Like that type of music, if you you can look it up on YouTube and stuff like that. It's very like enchanting in a lot of ways. It makes me feel like the, well, like, like the thing I'm thinking of is like the chance that maybe some, and I could be completely off on here, but uh, Native American tribes do. No, you're, you're on the right track. Okay, okay. Because like our indigenous people, they're indigenous people. A lot of indigenous people just have similar practices. It's called di- different things. It looks a little bit different, but a lot of them are for the same things, the same types of okay. worship kind of thing. Yeah. Different cards, same game. So her prophetic movements grew immensely just in a couple of short years, honestly. She was numbering about 50,000 members in 1956. So that's two years after Shit. her like ministry launch, which is Kind of insane. That's like mega church numbers, man. It is. Yes. In the 50s in, in Africa, the 50s. South Africa. Yeah. Damn. It's a powerful woman. She was attracting a lot of different demographics. This was not like kind of a one track. Oh, just poor people. Oh, just rich people. Yeah. It was kind of a mesh of everyone. Yeah. So that was cool, but it was more attractive to the poverty stricken. Mm, makes sense. Which a lot of religion is. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You got to find your hope in something, don't you? Yeah. And you're you're more, unfortunately, you're more vulnerable. And if you're coming from a poverty-stricken, you know, house or status, then you don't have all of your needs met because most of the time you're just trying to survive. And so finding that, like, religion can fit whatever it is that you're missing case in point, me. <laughs> it can. It can provide a community that gives you the things you were missing. Yes. Also, because like more financial stability in groups. Friends, community, hope. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Nothing wrong with that. But just the thing that became bad about this, though, with poverty-stricken people being attracted to it is they were traveling a very long way to be part of these Lumpa like communities and churches. And they were helping to physically build a Lumpa headquarters, which is just a church, like a church right. where she could run her ministry out of, like a physical place for it. Yeah, headquarters. 
And it was a nice place from what I could tell. Yeah. Well, with 50,000, what was it, right? 50,000 people she has, I'm sure they had no problems financially. Yeah, it was was fine. (laughs) Money. More money, more problems. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Shit. So I said before that she was preaching a conservative type of Christianity like the Church of Scotland. She was also preaching that she could protect her congregation from witchcraft, like her herself had this like energy emanating that repelled all witchcraft because she was like blessed by God in such a high, holy way. Shit. I I know a lot of pastors who would love to have that ability. I don't think even Jesus could do that. Right. I think Jesus loved the witches, so. I'm doing a frog face right now. Mm, Just saying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she was saying that she could save them from witchcraft, and she just aggressively opposed all types of witchcraft and sorcery, even though some of her practices were rooted in paganism, which Uh most witchcraft is just pagan rituals. It's the same way of being people being like, oh my God, you can't celebrate Halloween because it's a pagan holiday, but we'll celebrate Christmas. Even though Christmas was a pagan holiday, we're just going to ignore that and pretend like it doesn't exist. Definitely. No, yeah. (laughs) I feel like it's the same thing. We've all just stolen from each other is is the the real issue is like Christianity saw things in paganism that was like, ah, we'll take this and go with it. It's God's will. But then you don't want the rest of the things that could possibly highlight or like elevate your practices. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, I get I get what you're saying. I'm yeah. gonna just come out really quick and say this that like I am getting nervous on where this case is headed because it's witchcraft like like she's vehemently opposing witchcraft. And you also said the word violent, like this shit's violent in the beginning. We're not burning witches. I was about to say it's giving Salem witch trial vibes and I'm getting nervous. No, it made me nervous researching it because really it was just more verbal slander than it was like a physical uprising against witches or like anything to do with like voodoo sorcery stuff. Okay, rest assured, we're not burning witches at the stake in this case. Okay, good, great. We're not burning them. No, no, no. So 45-year-old prophet has issued also passports to heaven. I don't know how she did that. I don't know how she has that power. What in the fuck? She also was claiming that she could give you a passport to heaven. Here you go. <laughs> was this like a like an imaginary thing that you were given? Or was like she making some kind of like physical paper passport? Like, here you go. She had malaria. I don't know. <laughs> I I think it was a verbal, like, if I say you're good to go. You are good to go. Yeah. Signed, sealed, delivered. It's like, here, from the prophetess, take this to when you die. Yeah, so she was issuing passports to heaven for anyone that would join her cause. Here's something that I kind of liked. She said that God is black. Well, okay, there we go. Which, you know, white people think that God is white, and then black people think that God is black. It's very... Subjective. Well, and if you, I'm going to throw this out there, it's completely random. But if you guys have like children and you want a good Christmas book and you're still like a Christian, buy The Colors of Christmas by Matthew Paul Turner. Absolutely love Matthew <gasps> Paul Turner. Yes. He is, um, mm. he is an amazing children's book author. He is part of the LGBTQIA community and the children, the colors of Christmas, he goes through all of them and I will not give all of it away, but Brown. That's baby Jesus. He's like, baby Jesus is brown. I was like, hell yeah, thank you. (laughs) That's so good. 
And no, it will not indoctrinate your kids. It will not turn them trans. So chill out, (laughs) idiot. Take a chill pill, Linda. (laughs) Oh, here's another thing. She would also rally her, like, congregation with speeches from Winston Churchill. Oh, okay. I don't get it. But she said that he had a voice that represented God. So if she wanted to get them really rallied, she would just play his speeches. Just play them. Real quick, yeah. Wow, okay. Just play recordings of it. I can kind of I can kind of hear that. I, I, I can understand that because... <laughs> can you? Are you a lumpa? <laughs> embarrassing, embarrassing side note. When I was in the cult... Yummy. They were very much for everything Winston Churchill. Yes, he fits along with the fundamental Christianity type things. There were a bunch of like snippets from his recordings that they would put in like our performances and then like record. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Super yummy. Yeah, I know. Those are my cult days. Boop, boop. <laughs> hey, I get it. I get it. Aside from all of that, the Lumpet Church was anti-European, if you can believe it. Okay. But they weren't really like a political ally, so they hadn't officially taken a stance either way. Okay. At this time, Prime Minister... I believe it's Kenneth Conda. I know it's Conda. I believe it's Kenneth. Th- there was an uprising, a revolution happening where Zambia was kind of going crazy, oh, trying God. to like be their own thing. Yeah. So he was trying to deal with all that. There was just a lot of political tension happening. Gotcha. And the Lumpa Church, you know, they weren't taking a stand for anything. In fact, they went so far away politically, they started disobeying laws and refusing to join any political party, which is not a crime. I don't care. But they were refusing to, like, obey just standard laws, like pay your taxes, mm. don't hurt people. It was becoming anarchy much quicker wow. than... Just saying, like, no, we only listen to God. Uh, scary. Uh, the Lumpa was starting to isolate themselves from everyone else. And this is starting to get kind of Manson-y. Yeah, as I say, it's, it's, we're, we're moving into very strong cult territory. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. The Lumpa, technically, I would call it a cult. Yeah. So they were creating different separate communities, anticipating that the end times was near. Jesus Christ, again. Which, who doesn't believe that, that runs in Christian circles, that you don't live in the end times? Because I was convinced. Dude, if I had a dollar for every time somebody was like, the end (sighs) times are near, I'd be richer than fucking Jeff Bezos right now. I swear to God. We could pay off all the student debt and student lunches. I could. And still have some to spare. Yep. So, this... This part actually reminded me, so I'm rewatching Parks and Rec, just as a side note. <laughs> this is like my 17th time. Treat yourself, Donna Meagle. Anyway, so there's a part in Parks and Rec where there's this group called The Reasonableist. Have you watched it? Uh, I have not. I have not. That's totally fine. <laughs> so the the Reasonableists, they come to Leslie Nope like every year or so. And they're like, oh, the the world's going to end on this day. So we need the park so that we can party and like go all out pretty much and like just uh-huh. chill out and eat and do whatever before the world ends kind of thing. And they keep yeah. like predicting yeah. it every year or like every couple of years. And every time it's like, oh, wait, we we misjudge. It's the next oh. year. Oh, I think it'll be on November 27th. And then she's like, oh, that date, the park's not available. And he says, oh, wait, the 29th? 
the 30th? <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, I can do the 30th. And he said, uh, yep, that's it. So- <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's so, oh my gosh, I don't know how many times that's happened with Christ- within Christianity. Just, I know. just move the goalpost. Just move the goalpost. In 2012, we were all supposed to die, but I'm still here. I think in the last two years, I've heard people like predict the end times, like the rapture and stuff, at least 35 times minimum. We're here. We're queer. Uh The end is not near. Yeah. No. Put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. We're here. We're queer. The end is not near. Oh, my God. Okay, TM, we are trademarking that. No one take it. Okay. Yeah. Because I like that. Okay. We're here. We're clear. The end times are not near. <laughs> Where was I? Okay. Merch coming soon. So they think the end times are near. So the followers were beginning to believe that the communes that were being made were the only safe and sacred holy places left on earth. Mm. So, and that the rest of the world was under Satan's control. So they were all flooding oh. into these places, you know? The communes were complete with, like, judges to settle disputes, healthcare, food, housing, and it was all set apart from the rest of Zambia. Wow. Like, yeah, official occults. Like, It is 100% full-blown. It has gone haywire. And she is still, Alice is still head leader. She's she's at the head of the high table. Okay. But she's not, she's still, like, doing, commanding things, and she's still preaching and teaching and converting, but she's silent when it comes to a lot of the political things still and like the uprising that's happening, the the revolution that's happening in Zambia. She's just more focused on her communes. So gotcha. in 1964, Zambia became independent and the colonial administration attempted to control or regulate the practices of Lumpa. Oh, no. This did not go well. I didn't think it would. This is where it gets bad. Oh, shit. This is why government and and religion, they should not mix. No, I agree. It's like putting shit with ice cream. You still have shit. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I got that from Keith Giles. That is not a Lola quote. That is from Keith Giles. (laughs) Oh, my God. I've never heard that before. That's hilarious. He said it on the Messy Spirituality podcast like years ago. And I just... Oh, my gosh. When I heard it, I was in the midst of deconstruction. And I was like... Damn, go off, son, you know. (laughs) I love it. Okay, like I said, they were, the Lumpa members are already like disobeying the law, evading taxes, Mm -hmm. not registering properly, and most notably and unfortunately becoming violent against their own government, Zambian citizens, and Zambian children. No, 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 no. Little babies. I know. So uh, between July and October of 1964. July and October of 1964. I need you to know how short of a time frame that is. Three months, right? July, August, September, October. Well, four months. Yeah, about four months. Over 700 people were killed. (gasps) Shut up. 700. This is like the equivalent of war. Wait, 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 rewind. How the fuck did they die? So if you want to know what they did to kill them, super... Ah, okay. So trigger warning, very violent. I'm going to throw that out really quick. Super violent right now. If you need to tune out, it's totally fine. Love you, miss you. Goodbye. So they used spears, arrows, hatchets, and some guns. Guns were not the primary source because they were hard to get a hold of. 
So yeah. Oh. But it was like it was my indigenous gosh. type of weaponry because they're they're using those like pagan practices too and they're still subscribing yeah. to like you know a more uh ruthless type of violence, you know? Yeah. Uh one that knows no like mercy or stopping. So they would tear into the villages and like Oh my god. I I read an article right before we started recording on it where like it was just so sudden and so quick. It wasn't specific people they sought out or specific groups. It was yeah. The lumpa would come into the village wherever it was and just immediately start stabbing people, immediately start slitting throats. Immediately. Wait. Hold on. Rewind. I think I mixed this up in my head. The Lumpa, the Christian organization yes. came in and killed 700 yes. people within Zambia's just citizens. Yes. Like, I thought it was the government. No, sorry. So let me just kind of recap it. So Zambian government becomes its whole thing, like by itself. It's yeah. set apart from like other parts of Africa. Okay. So once they become independent, the colonial administration, the government, they want to regulate and kind of control Lumpa practices because their practices were weird to them, I think. It just didn't fit along with their like typical Christianity. Oh. So Lumpa was like, fuck you. The government was trying to put barriers on them and Lumpa was like, fuck it. They're, they work for Satan. We work for God. We're going to kill them all. Oh. Because the communes were the only thing that they viewed as sacred and holy and safe. They were fearful of everybody outside of it, including innocent citizens and, like, children. How do you go from, like, we love Jesus to we're murdering 700 people? I mean, she taught hellfire and brimstone type sermons, from what I'm understanding, oh, yeah. because yeah. it was really painting the picture of like all these people are witches and sorcerers and Satanists mm -hmm. and they all are trying to trick you. It's literally just a mind game, but she had them also brainwashed and scared that it makes sense that they would act this way, especially if they were predisposed to a violent nature. Yeah, well, and that hellfire and brimstone type preaching is very, it, 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 works. it kind of, Honestly, it kind of, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it kind of like, I guess, romanticizes violence in the Bible it and violence with it. God. It, yeah. yeah, it justifies it. It romanticizes it. And so... Because you're killing in the name of God. Yes. And holy, it's yes. holy, or it's like a righteous violence. Yeah. And so it's like, it's easy for them to justify that. Yeah. Especially if that's their kind of preaching. So if you can imagine Damn. by October... They have 700 dead. A lot of those were like police officers, you know, government officials, like high-ranking government officials and wow. representatives. So like this is, it's a big deal. God damn. And they were not stopping. Like they were not stopping. So at the end of 1964, so like November, December, the Lumpa organization was completely banned from Zambia. Not shocked. If you're in Zambia confines of their new, like, province, pretty much, you cannot practice this. Yeah. Point blank. It's done. The Prime Minister Conda that I was talking about earlier mm -hmm. was seeking out Alice. And he told his troops, you find her dead or alive. Find her. 
Yeah. He was super upset. Now it's like war. Now it, I mean, because all of his people are dying. He just now yeah. got this whole place to like be its own independent thing. I don't really know why. I want to do more research on that and just kind of figure out like what was happening within like the country. Yeah, within, within that country and the nearby places, because uh, I don't know who had control over Zambia before. I'm sure it's an easy Google search, but uh, I digress. So authorities estimated that Alice had converted about 100,000 Africans in northern and eastern provinces. A lot of the members fled to Congo whenever the whole thing was banned. After most of her following had fled, <laughs> Alice eventually surrendered herself to police. Oh, She denied any involvement in the violence or political uprisings. And I don't think anyone saw her kill anybody. Well. I don't know if she was there. Right. I don't know if she was aware if she wasn't there. But um, no one physically saw her, I don't think, kill anybody. So, Did anyone come forward and say, like, from Lumpa? What is that? What is called? Lumpa, 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 call it what you want. Call it what you want. <laughs> I was about to call it Oompa. And I was like, wait, That no. Oompa Loompa? Did anyone come <laughs> yeah. forward from Oompa Loompa? You know? Uh, did anyone get, like, arrested or anything and then them say, like, yeah, Alice was there. She helped orchestrate it. So they actually detained about 364 of the members of the Lumpa community that they could get their hands on before they fled and were interrogating them because they could not find Alice. She was hiding for a, a while. Gotcha. She did not want to be caught. They interviewed all of them, so I'm sure that some of them did give up some information on her and, like, if she was actually involved in certain things. But all that I really got was that she ended up turning herself in because I yeah, think they okay. were getting close. So Yeah. Um, and I think she was also under the assumption that if they found her, they would just immediately kill on sight. Ah, uh, so if she turned herself in, she had a better chance at staying alive. I think that was her thought process. I could be wrong. She's dead. Oh. Yeah, she denied any involvement in the violence or political uprising. She never faced trial. She was detained, though, and later jailed with her husband and I believe one of her sons. But they actually escaped jail in 1967. All of them? Yes. And I tried to figure out, okay, this is the part I told you earlier before we started oh, yeah. recording that I'm not certain about these details because I've read a couple of different things. I think they were out of jail for 10 months. They had escaped and stayed out for 10 months on the run. Damn. I could be wrong about that. I really had a hard time finding any information on it. But yeah, eventually they were caught again and then jailed. And it was the whole family, the mom, the dad, and the son, Alice, her husband, yes. and their son. Okay. Yeah, they were all caught. And then jailed again, but they were placed on house arrest. Oh. I don't know why. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> so you escaped you escaped jail. You went on the run. You were out for a good length of time, whatever that was. And then you got caught again and they were like, okay, fine, we'll give you house arrest. I have a feeling that like it was a plea deal. <laughs> Even though she didn't go to sorts. trial, I feel right. like when she got alone with the prime minister, she was able to convince him. I didn't do anything, mm. but I did lead my followers to believe certain things. Mm. After they were, you know, jailed and everything for the second time and then eventually put on house arrest, the prime minister ordered that whole village that she had made and her headquarters to be completely destroyed with fire. And it was. Wow. I mean, he was mad as hell. Right. I was like, I don't blame him, though. He's their group. 
murdered 700 people. Exactly. If I was a leader and so many of my citizens had suffered like that, you know, and I was a civil servant to them trying to, you know, help them stay safe and wealthy and happy and everything, that is something I would need to immediately dispose of. (laughs) Yeah. And we see that in many cases where like somebody is murdered in a house or even accidental deaths and the community just can't handle the, the building being there or the house being there. And so they want it to be taken down. I'm sure it left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, in that area at least. So, you know, the headquarters and everything was destroyed. She was on house arrest until she died, which was in 1978. Wow. The Lumpa organization still exists, but it's called several different names. So it's not called Lumpa anymore. It literally, mm-hmm. there's like 20 different names for it. So shut up. It still exists. Mm-hmm. I say, I say that all shocked, right? And I'm like, how could you still be around if you have this kind of history? But then I'm like, dude, that's fucking Christianity for you. <laughs> like, how horrible of a history do we have? Like, literally, yeah. we colonized America in the name of Christianity. So that's our history. Yeah, so that's that's the story of Alice Lanisha. They killed 700 people. Can you imagine that type of legacy of your family? Like, I don't know if her kids had kids or if any of those descendants are still, like, around. I don't know. But just imagine thinking about, like, your family's legacy is because your great-great-grandmother led a prophetic movement embedded in Christianity in Africa that was responsible for the deaths of hundreds and completely left a horrific mark on that province. Right. I I, like think about like what led to it to become such a tragic just ending. And it's, I wonder if it's a mix of like the fire and brimstone type preaching within Christianity that like in times like we've seen what those kinds of beliefs lead to. Mm-hmm. We have seen people do absolute wild stuff. And I actually have a case that I'm going to share in the next handful of weeks of, about this happening, something not similar in the sense of it like starting a cult, but like believing these types of things so much with the end times and all these conspiracy theories and fire and brimstone type preaching that it leads you to the point where you're committing murder and you justify it. And I'm like, does it have that to do with it? And the fact that like their country was in this political upheaval and the combination just... I really think it was the perfect storm. And I think she knew that. I don't think that this was not... uh, I think she turned a blind eye because she knew what was happening, Mm -hmm. but she just didn't care. Because it's like, how many more people do I like need to save? Like, what are my soul? Like, I'm saving more people for Jesus. Like, more people are getting into heaven. How many times have we seen Christians and churches turn a blind eye for the sake of the reputation, for the sake of saving more people to increase the numbers? Well, and to, you know, if you twist scripture and you subscribe to a theology that says something to the effect of like, uh, you know, when the flood happened and God killed all of those people, but he saved his holy ones, the like 10 people Mm -hmm. on a boat, it leads people to believe that 
there are some people that are just fully evil that can never come back from it and that deserve to die. And they make that their truth and they find that like violent righteousness in killing, in genocide and all these other horrific acts. It just, it subconsciously, I think, pushes that whole agenda. Whether or not she actually said, oh, these people should die. It's just, if you're believing such a theology that normalized genocide, why wouldn't you subscribe to doing that yourself? Yeah. You shouldn't. Please don't. SOS. Do not do that. (laughs) Be nice to people. Do no harm. Take no shit. God. I didn't think Uh, I'd have to write that one down for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's... Okay, I literally did not expect you to take us to Africa this week, but... I'm glad you did. Like that's a very interesting case to learn about. And I didn't realize that Africa had such deep roots in Christianity. To be honest, oh yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was ignorant before this. It, it really did open my eyes mm-hmm. to that because honestly, I uh, I don't get out much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have never been on an airplane. I've never. I've been to like four Nuh-uh. states. I think. You I'm have not joking. Never been on an airplane. Never been on an Shut airplane. Your face. I've never been Girl. on a boat. Well, I mean, I've been on like a pontoon boat, but not like a yacht or like a uh, cruise ship or something. Yeah, oh yeah, I've never been on a cruise ship, never been on a yacht. I've been on like really big boats because whenever I went to New Zealand, there's like you the north New and the Zealand? south island. Oh my God. I did. Okay, this is going to be our palate cleanser, guys. Yeah, so when I went to New Zealand, I went to New Zealand and Australia when I was in college. I did a study abroad trip for a month. It was amazing. And so when you go from the North Island to the South Island of New Zealand, you have to take a ferry and it's mm. so it's a decent ride. And so that was a very big ass boat that I was on. Um, and I've been on a handful of like smaller boats in because I did, ugh. unfortunately, I did a mission trip to Panama because... I was going to say, were you a missionary? Fucking white colonizer. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like, did you I pose with yet. all the poverty stricken kids? Yes. I did. Oh my God. This is like the one thing. If you have followed me on social media for the last couple of years, you're like, wait, I didn't know this. Yeah, you didn't know this because I don't talk about it because I am ashamed very much so that I, and my first, my very first mission trip, I only went on two, but my first mm-hmm. mission trip, do you want to know where it was, was to? Jamaica. No. Honduras. No. Shit. What? I don't know. <laughs> It was to the reservation, uh, Native Shut American up. reservation. I know. That's so much so worse bad. now. It's That's so, so much... bad. It's Why? so bad. It's Why? So bad. Why? Oh, God. You know, my church actually never acknowledged indigenous people. <gasps> what? We never talked about them. We never acknowledged them in our history, even like with biblical things or like possible crossovers and like uh, worship. Oh, that, you know, maybe was influenced by indigenous practices when we first came over and like stole all their shit. <laughs> Dude, now that you say that, I, I don't ever remember any of that. It, like, I, yeah, no, same, same. I think there's a lot Never that should be it. looked into there because, I mean, like I said, Christianity just like steals shit. So like... Oh, we steal shit all the time from everybody. Uh, why wouldn't we be stealing more shit from indigenous people that have such like awesome, beautiful, like, cool rituals and, like, yeah, you know. 
I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure we did. And, and we demonized, I know we demonized like a lot of their spiritual practices and like... Leave them alone. They're dancing ugh, for rain, you fucking bigot. Leave them the fuck like, alone. Oh, man. Yeah, so those those were my mission trips. I swear, I'll talk about them one day. I just like, I'm so... I've just never heard of a mission trip in a reservation before. Yes, and it was... Because the ones we used to go on were like Jamaica, Honduras... Mexico. No matter where I went, I went to Panama and we went to the jungles and we also went to um, the uh, islands. And when I say islands, like in the jungle, I'm talking, think people living in grass huts, sleeping in hammocks, like very, very, like I didn't know. It was very culture shock for me. I didn't realize people still lived that way. I was, you know, lived in the middle of Texas and, you know, America. So very sheltered life. And so I was very shocked. And I, I remember thinking after those two trips, I remember thinking, because I went through, oh, who did I go through? Global Expeditions. That's who I went through for my mission trip to Panama. And it was expensive to go. It was a good yeah. like four or $5,000 for each of us to go. And we had to raise the money. And there was a good like 40 of us, maybe even 50 of us that went. Oh my God. And I remember thinking after I got back, how much more could we have like really helped these communities out in the jungle, out in the middle of the, you know, the islands, if we would have just sent them the fucking money? No, yeah, send the money. Five, okay, if we had God. 50 people, like if it was like, say, $3,000 a piece, uh, what was that, 5, 10, 15? What was that, $150,000? Yeah, I was going to say, 150. Did I do that math right? Yeah, I, I think I so. Right. I, mean, I did it in my head. I was thinking... 14 of you guys, 4,000 a piece. I was thinking 160,000. That's... Jesus. And American dollars translate that over to somewhere else? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, in Panama? Yes. It's... And and it was... Yeah, it's just... Oh, I fucking hate it. But... Man. Yeah, we went totally... We side railed, like, hardcore with that topic of That's conversation. That's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. We went to a palate cleanser and then we right, went straight back into digging our heels in the dirt (laughs) you know how we do it's fine Uh, lord have mercy yeah well that is today's episode we took you to africa how are you guys feeling i hope you're okay (laughs) yes go snuggle your puppies there were no witch burnings no witch burnings that's which honestly jesus christ that, I like, can't wait to talk about that. We I can't wait to talk witches. about that. I know. We are gonna we are gonna have to cover that. Especially after I teach you about the satanic panic next week. Girl, okay. I'm so you're doing so... that next week. Perfect. Okay. Oh yeah, I am. Girl, I've been researching. Mm, I've been researching and like getting it because there is a lot. Since you said it, my phone has heard you and I've been seeing videos that sh- up, phone. say satanic panic. I haven't clicked on any. I haven't looked Don't at click anything on that shit. at no. all. Nothing at all. <laughs> I did hear it in like a, I heard a side comment about it in a video that I was watching that was, I think it was to do a true crime. I don't remember. But yeah, they had just mentioned it like, oh, that is so satanic panic or something like that. And I was like, huh, don't say anything more. Do not. (laughs) I don't need to know anything. I'm so excited. (laughs) Which it is, like, I'm not going to do a part one, part two, because like I easily could with satanic panic. And if you're listening to those that are listening or who know what it is, they're like, oh yeah, definitely. I'm just going to do a part one. So I'm going to give you a good overview, but enough for you to understand when people make the reference and 
Oh, okay. Perfect. Gotcha. And we will cover some true crime cases briefly. Like we'll go through them very quickly just just to kind of show what they what this whole thing did. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'll be covering next week. I'm excited to hear. So yeah, that's it. I hope that you eat a cookie maybe and have a good night or day or anything that you want to have. That's okay. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, and don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. Also, Hedens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review because your salvation depends on it. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, leave us a review because we would absolutely love it. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howe. Thanks for listening.